Welcome aboard the Mad Pastors Podcast. Honest pastors, honest conversations. Powered by G6 Allies. You may now feel free to move about the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors. Uh, man, it's been it's been a good series so far, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited about this last one, and so we're doing a series currently. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, called Unscripted. Unscripted. And it is uh, genuinely it lives up to its name. Um, it well, is unscripted. Theoretically, it's it's the last one. But hey, this is unscripted. There <laughs> may true. be more. It could be twelve. Who knows? We don't know. We haven't planned it out. Who's to say? So last episode. Um, we talked about how, how do you lead as a pastor in a ministry when you don't know where to go? Yeah. You know, how do you lead when things seem difficult or, or things just seem hazy or unclear? And so or we kind of, or you have multiple options. Yeah, that's and, true. Um, you don't it's know like, what to do. Yeah. Am I going to be the church with cool laser lights? Am I going to not be the church with cool laser lights? That's really, that's the biggest question in the church today. That's the most pressing um, thing, yes. Yeah, so, you know, whatever. But That's what needs to be addressed I in the church. So. I sure. think so. Uh, but either way, we, uh, this time, I'm pretty excited about this one too, because it's always been something that's very close to my heart. Um, but when you, when you look at your ministry, and we literally looked at these right before we did this, so we're all off the cuff, but... How do you, you know, in an unscripted format, we, we want to ask the question, how do you develop your ministry or your churches? Uh, so either one, if you just lead a ministry and you're doing that, if you lead a whole church or whatever, how do you develop your missional identity? And, and what we mean by that is, how do you, maybe it's, it's not just developing a mission statement. That can easily be done and that cannot be applicable. But how do you actually develop where your church is taking action, where they're going to focus, what they're going to do. I'm excited about this one because that's been somewhere that I've really been passionate about throughout ministry um, and how we do that. But, but Michael, let's get started with you. How do you think you even start with that? Uh, man, th- this one does go really well with the previous one. It's like we're just continuing on kind of that, yeah. that same yeah, yeah. conversation. So, again, if you haven't seen that one, go back. Go, go back and watch it. And like and subscribe to YouTube channel. That helps us a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then you can see all the other ones there as well. But yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the first thing, what we talked about last time was mm-hmm. identifying the need, right? Yeah. That we, as, as the leader, you need to be able to articulate what the greatest need is. Yeah. And, and if we're just looking at needs, there's a ton of them, right? <laughs> There's a lot of There's needs. There's a lot of needs, and you're never going to be able to address all of them. Yeah. And so yeah. one of the things that I think is beautiful about trying. the church is that we different churches have different bends mm-hmm. toward different needs. So one church may be really passionate about uh, the unborn, and yeah. another church may be really passionate about poverty, yeah. and another church may be really passionate about missions. Or, And it doesn't mean that... The other churches are, don't think the unborn are important, or sure. or that church doesn't think but missions that's where is important. Gifted and but that's where they're to be. gifted, and that's where they're called, yeah. and, and that's what's most passionate to them, and sure. so that's where they focus the bulk of their of their effort. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, I I think 
mm-hmm. little cultural commentary here, but Uh-oh. going along Uh-oh. going along with the the whole cancel culture is if if you aren't actively involved in X, hmm. then you must hate X. What if a church is very and passionate about being a cancel a, a cancel culture hate. church? What I mean, that's Westboro Baptist, but let's just yes, have to- right. Um, and, and so the the Mm. church, I think sometimes we fall into that same mindset of, well, if the church isn't actively doing this, then they must not care about it. Right. And that's not, that's not necessarily true, but that was a very long way to, that was telling you how the watch is made when you asked what time it was kind of a thing. That's a good point. To answer your question. But can you tell me how a watch is made? I can very carefully. Um, the answer to your question, then, the reason I went that route is because we have to be able to, if we're going to articulate mm-hmm. our mission, we need to know what need or couple yeah. of needs it is that your group of people, your faith yeah. family, is most passionate about. Yeah. And, and even what, what is it that stirs the heart of your church? Maybe it's missions. Maybe yeah. it's orphans. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's mm-hmm. um, maybe it's small groups. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe it's worship. Uh, whatever it is, th- you need to identify what what that is and begin leading your people in that direction. Then you can start. Yeah. And once you've identified that, you can start addressing some other issues about how you go about doing that. I think that's solid. Um, I mean. You do, and I think, but I think that you you point at you know you hit a good point at least with all that too is of the fact that we tend to either want to compare or replicate churches around us because we think well they seem to have the best cause rather than finding the cause that is that is uh, key for us. And again, the foundation of all of that is the gospel. I think I can't remember who said it. Who knows if they've been dishonored and left the pulpit? But they said a good quote. I don't know. It's unscripted. But, you know, I think that uh, one pastor years ago said, said very well that there, there will be a lot of well-fed and well-clothed people in hell. And the idea was, give, when you give a cup of cold water, do it in the name of Jesus. And I think that we have to have, and I know that it should go that saying, but I don't think it does very often anymore. Uh, the church isn't just made for good works. It's made for good works that point back to, to Jesus. And so, obviously whether it's the Great Commission, it's just the gospel in general, that undergirds everything that we do, right? That's yeah. a good reason why you're not going to go to, to uh, volunteer at Planned Parenthood if you're at a church. <laughs> like, you know, that's going to be a bad call. Right. But uh, and so that undergirds part of our mission, but also it's a mission that points back to Jesus, right, constantly. And so here, here's how it's kind of funny. I always have a bullet loaded in this gun. Um, it is because this is one of my favorite topics when it comes up. But this is what we heard was an issue for a lot of churches and a lot of ministries. And so for us, the passage that I go to, I pulled it up here on my computer, is uh, Matthew 9, 35. And, and so you've got, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his field. And I think you did so well. One, you do identify the need. But when you think about what's my missional identity going to be, there's always been, there's been three questions, and for probably the last seven or eight years, that's really that passage has been on my heart for here. And I think you pull 
three things out of it. Okay. Find, engage, and connect. And so that becomes part of what informs it. I think that when you talk about, and we'll get to that, but you're right, when you talk about the need, what do we mean by that? I think that, so I've served in student ministries, college ministries, I've served as a connections group, you're a groups pastor, um, and, and in a lot of different capacities. And I, you know, I, I very, in the beginning of that, I used to go, oh, well, there's another church that's really involved in high schools. I guess I don't need to be. Or there's another church over here that's really involved. I guess I need to find my own thing. And that's not the case. What I would, what I started asking people, because the point of serving people is to meet a need they have, is that when I went and met with principals, and just side note, you do have to meet with people occasionally on <laughs> missional-based things. Pastor sits in his office 90 hours a week. I love you. Um, but all of that to say, I, I went to, I'd go to principals, I'd go to organizations, I'd go to the people that we, so when we identified a need and it was something, man, I think our church could be really good at this. The beautiful thing about student ministry is that students tend to charge into stuff just blazing. They'll, they'll be like the Bird Box movie where they're just blind and going, ah, and they'll just run wherever you tell them. Man, that was a big thing for a while. That was wasn't a big movie it? for about ten minutes. Then everybody and then went. It just, I'm done. No, it, everybody <laughs> checked out in a hurry. I think it's because Sandra Bullock has that effect on people. That was oh, and then they're gone. But either way, um, I think that you know I, students will charge in and do about anything. So a lot of it you can train the confidence in students because that's part of it. With adults, maybe you need they're a little bit more skittish and a little bit more afraid on things. But I always ask this question: If I found a place. If, Usually our heart will be drawn to an organization or to a sector like the school system or something that's important to our people. You need to see where your church is most invested normally to find that need. But then I would ask the question, what is it that you need? And they'd go, oh, well, a lot of people. I said, no, 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 no. I want to know what nobody else does for you. I said, what what do you really need? And I said, I'll do any of it. No strings attached. I said, just let us come in and do it. And they, and I, you know, it took maybe two or three times but that conversation very quickly went from, well, you can just come by and say hi to the teachers. That's fine. I was in Georgia, so it's kind of a southern state. But it was like, you can come by and hang out with the, with the teachers. That'd be great. Um, and then I'd say, no, no, no. What do you really need? Well, we really need somebody to feed all of our teachers at this event because we can't ever find anybody to feed them, and it's always a drain on the school. I said, then I'll go do it. And what was funny was I was able – is that what I wanted to do? Yes and no. I didn't want to sure. co- do cookouts for teachers. But what was funny is at secular schools or at, at public schools that had no, they couldn't have any affiliation with Jesus, uh, I was able to walk on campuses and do whatever I wanted to when it came, because they knew over time that I had met needs that they wanted. And truthfully, I don't think Jesus really wanted to wash people's feet. I think he did it because he knew how important it was to do that for them. And I think for us, when we're thinking about that, I, I would search for the needs that nobody else is meeting. And, I, and we see that with Jesus. Jesus is going all through the towns and villages. He's teaching in the same. He's doing what he needs to do. But what happens? Well, nobody can help the sick. Nobody can help the, the lame, the struggling. And so Jesus, he literally goes out to find these people and these needs. And so he finds them. But once he finds them, he didn't go, hey, just take some aspirin and move on. Yeah. Some St. John's work might help that. Right? He, does, he doesn't move on. No. He meets the, he engages them where they're at. Again, if you have maybe, I mean, I know it's not exciting, but if there's a food bank in your city and you need to work with that food bank for the glory of God, right? And they say, we need people to mop. Then you push your people and you help your people to mop because that's important. And then he doesn't just find and engage, but what's interesting is Jesus then connects. 
And when he connects with them, there's this line between I've engaged, I've, I've seen your need, and then I'm going to I'm going to empower you and connect. And Jesus says, listen, the, the harvest is plentiful. I mean, we've heard this passage over and over again. We don't hear the, the first few. But he says, but the workers are few. And this idea is that you, you, it's not just good enough to find them and engage them where they're at, but you've got to connect with them and continue to bring them. So you've got to establish a relationship with whatever your missional identity is. Yeah. And I think it's, it's say, I think as a church, we live in this world that if you're a whole church, um, you don't want to be spread so thin. You know, it's like uh, Bill Bobacken says, he's like, too much, too much butter spread over too, too much spread toast. too thinly over toast. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be that because then you, you make such little dents everywhere, um, then that's a problem. However, you do. I think you need to challenge. If you've got a staff, challenge them. If you're, ju- if you're leading just one ministry and you're a student pastor, a kid's pastor, don't think that the age has anything to do with it. I mean, we've all seen probably these the, the bottles you fill with change that happens all over the country, right? Even in smaller ministry or adult ministry, but... I think that there's a lot, if I can use an early 90s word, a lot of synergy is an important thing that maybe you can, however close you can link your church together so that you're all pulling in a similar direction, that's key. But don't be afraid for everybody to have different, I mean, your school system, I think a lot of it has to do with we want to be a church that meets the needs of our community. And then the nice thing is if if a need stops in your community, then you find the next need to go after I think it's very. I think the problem is so many churches look for the most glamorous need they can meet, and the truth is, for I say this for we've said this for pastors and for everybody else. If the only ministry you do is what you see on Instagram, then you're not doing ministry. And so, don't be afraid when you say, "Well, not, nobody's going to know that we do this, and we want to make Jesus known." Well, no, Jesus knows, and the people know that you're reaching. And so, I mean, if 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 we can take a an illustration from the business world. I think we can. Um, good. Then we're going to. Uh, when when you're looking at starting a business, mm-hmm. some of the first questions you're asking is you're identifying the problem and how you how your business, how your product or your service meets that business meets that need, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you're asking how saturated is this market? Mm-hmm. Is is there you know? You and I are not going to go in the cell phone creation business, right. right? That market is saturated, and and there's there's a monopoly there between one or two or three companies, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so that's not a need that mm-hmm. our business needs to needs to try and fulfill. Somebody mm. else is already doing it, and they're doing it very very well. Right. Just stay out of their way. Yeah. Let them do it. Um, and so we're we're looking for what what need is there, and so maybe mm-hmm. it has to do with cell phones, and and it's how people interact with them, or so we develop an app, or or a particular phone case, or so there, you you kind of complement yeah. that need, right? And, and that's not to say that the church needs to operate like a business, because yeah. it doesn't, and that's not what we're trying to to draw out here. Instead, I'm saying that's part of the human condition. That, that's sure. how we operate, and the church should function the same way. We're yeah. looking for whatever that need is. What is the problem that you see that, that has a gap in the market, if I can use the market term? Uh-oh. Um, what, where is that gap that your church can stand in and meet and then stand there? No, I think fill, you, in, fill in that hole and, and meet that need, and that's, that's how you identify it, and that's how you start developing it. I don't even think that's a bad thing. I just think, I think where... That merges the Christianity so well is that our job isn't, and I, I had to figure out how to say this, 
because I, growing up, I, we always heard the ridiculous statement that was like, we'd throw a Starlight Crusade in the 90s, and one... Dude, those were, those were the light crusades. worst. Wow. But I remember those because those were one of the, I mean, our church blast was huge. From the past. Yeah, growing Not up. Not even my, much of a blast, really. It's no, just from the past. It was awful. Um, MC Hammer did sign a, uh, a picture for yeah, me Yeah, but once. you can't touch that, so go on. Nice. All right. Either way. Uh, we, but I, I do remember, I remember specifically a Starlight Crusade. And listen, if you just Google it and you'll go, oh, and you'll just stop. But it was one of the biggest things. Actually, we had a huge church, and it's still one of the biggest things to this day I think we ever did. And there were these crusades where they'd just get people to come and speak and do that. But here's, I mean, it was like erecting massive stages with big trusses. and I mean, I'm talking 50, 60-foot tall trusses. You were there. Uh-huh. And so all of that to say, they were just massive events. And then you'd always hear somebody say, because I guess people were going, do we really need to do all this? This is a lot of work. <laughs> And like this, these three families on staff have failed because their dad's never home. And they're like, no, if one person gives their life to Jesus, it was worth it. And I'm like, okay, well, that logic, maybe. But would that person not have given their life to Jesus if your small group ministry was on task and reaching people for the gospel? I mean, we need to look at the difference between that. And I, I don't want to get to that point. What I do want to get to is you're right. When people, it's I have noticed wherever I go that there are excellent ministries, um, and I say ministries not lightly. They're not just organizations; they are ministries. And you've got a way out. Is this going to just help ease the pain of a world, you know, momentarily, and not have anything to do with Jesus, or is it going to help ease that pain and give them a cup of cold water in Jesus' name? So wherever you you go with that, I used to notice there were some pretty big ministries in town. And and they were they were separate and so I you know and I won't say their names because they you know people listen to this in those places and they were good ministries but they were well known and they were very popular and that and that's good because they did a really good job but we always gave to the popular ones and we always gave to the ones that had a lot and that were doing well even to the point that they go oh well we don't need any more for this semester and and I wondered I used to always struggle with this and I. I didn't have the character, I guess, or frame of mind at the time to really push it and think about it. I was on the executive team, but I remember thinking, there's got to be more more ministries out there. And what that hits is a greater problem of, are we just looking for what is in vogue or what is the most popular thing we can give to to connect our name? but Or are we giving to ministries that maybe nobody will ever see except for our church, and we, and we care to do that? Because at the end of the day, we got... John said everything Jesus did wouldn't fit into one book. There wouldn't be enough books there to do books it. The world, yeah. So you got to think, ninety-nine percent of Jesus's ministry we'll never know about we until know we see him. It. And I think that you need to be a church that ninety-nine percent of your ministry it's okay if it's unseen because you're doing ministry. And that's that's when I think that has a lot to do with Jesus saying, "Don't let the left hand know what the right is doing." The more ministry you do that is private, not private, that is personal. And it isn't just blasted everywhere. It doesn't mean you can't post things. But the more ministry we do that we don't get any type of recognition for, the more like Jesus we are and the bigger change we make. Yeah. And so when you're talking about your missional identity, um, when, we say, when we say, and we've said it in several podcasts, tell the story, tell the story, we're not telling you build up how amazing your church is and post commercials. We're saying tell your church body, show that body. And this is part of, we talked about it last time, this coffee shop where he said you want to train people what kind of coffee to drink, not just give them what they say they want. Right. You know, help your church see this life was impacted by the gospel because of what you're doing. This life, what, and the truth, I think the more that we learn 
Uh, and C.S. Lewis said it so well that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is because that's still on yourself. It's thinking more of others and putting others, uh, or what is it? It's, uh, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. Yeah. And so thinking of others more. And I think that that needs to be the goal. We see that in, we see that in Jesus's ministry. I think it's. I had not even thought about it because this is unscripted. Until, but the fact that so much of Jesus' ministry is lost to history until we meet him. Um, and he meant it for it to be that way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a joke. It was, I think that's by example. Yeah. That's good. I think that's, I think that's uh, a solid episode, but what, I, what do you have to end us with? Um, I, don't, I don't know that, I mean, I, I think the, the main takeaway from this, if you are a pastor who's listening and, and you're kind of wrestling with mm-hmm. what should our missional identity look like, um, or maybe it's a we have we have a mission statement that we've had for thirty years or fifty years or whatever, and <laughs> and it needs a refresh. Or that's just not where we are. You know this yeah. this mission statement was developed in a completely different world because it probably was. I mean, we right. live in a very different world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you and you want to move your church into the future. Mm-hmm. I think these are some of the things you need to be thinking about. Yeah. Of what is that need? How are we identifying that need? What is our what is our corporate gifting yeah uh what's what's the essence of our church body and and what what makes us tick what are we passionate about what moves us because uh, i mean if you you select a a mission now we did say last time and, and we said it again here you want to you want to teach the people what they need not necessarily give them what they right. want but that has to be balanced right because mm-hmm. if, if you as the pastor are really passionate about you know why ministry yeah Absolutely. But no one in your church is passionate about that. You're going to be fighting an uphill battle constantly. And it's like, and they're not. I mean, you're going to have some that are going to yeah. get on board just because you're the pastor and they and they said to. They do that. But they're not going to own it themselves. Right. And so you need to be asking your congregation, ask your elder team, ask your your lay leaders, your volunteers, mm-hmm. ask people who are not currently involved in a leadership capacity. Yeah. That's what, Maybe that's why they're not involved because yeah. they're they're looking for something that you're not offering yet, and, and you and you want to be able to compound all of this data. Not that you're just gonna go. Oh, well, this person says we need to do this, so we're gonna yeah. do this. And you know, we talked about that too. You're not just doing everything mm-hmm. because that's what the people want, but you're collecting data and you're processing through things and you're trying to sure. identify. All right, God, are you speaking to us in this? This is what, in general, this yeah. church has a heart. For Z ministry, I personally have a real passion for Y ministry. In 2002, there were probably um, ministers called Z ministry. Yes, yeah, probably. But maybe as a church, as a collective corporate body, yeah. this is the direction you're leading us and what you want us to focus on. And yeah. so we're going to do that wholeheartedly. And I think that, I guess, is something I did forget to say is if you're new to a church, this takes time. Mm-hmm. Don't go to it, and we've talked about this before, but don't go to your church and roll it out and go, well, we're doing homeless ministry, and then because that sounded really good, and you move on, right? It's take time, like you said, take time, talk, listen. One, I was going to give an example of this. There's been a couple. Uh, I've not always had bright, bright, shining moments in ministry, but I, I do have a couple, and I think one that was really good and just kind of a good example of this, right? Is we did college ministry. Um, our college ministry, it, it's just helpful to know the size. Was about between 200. It was about 115, 130 on a Wednesday night. But when you went to groups and all that, it was about 250 total. And so, and we were doing off-campus groups and that kind of stuff, and it was great. Um, but but here's what we did. 
So, you know, how do you reach college kids, especially in a town where their mommy and daddy give them a lot of money and it's a pretty wealthy group and you're like, I don't know how to meet needs. Well, one, personal contact and food. They love having, you know, in fact, I even got in trouble by my elders at one point because they're like, well, you're spending a lot of money on food. And I was like, yeah, because college kids eat a lot. And so, but the, the way to the heart is through the stomach. That's a 100%. But here's what, here's what we did. This is, and, and I would tell you, this is where Jim Elliott rings so true. Listen and be present in conversations and make sure that always in the back of your mind is what needs are there. Because here's what I started hearing. There was a whole dead week before finals. And this is a this was the University of Alabama was where I was at. So this is a massive, it's like a 50,000 student campus. It's huge. And I'm going, I got 250 students max that are, you know, between all the ministries that we're doing. That's a, you know, that's I don't have anywhere near that. I don't even have 1% of that campus, so we can keep reaching it. And so I would just listen. Where are their needs, right? The BCM had plenty of people that were giving it food, and I would do that too. Or these guys had this, but here's what I heard. I heard oh, they had dead week and then finals week, and they'd go, oh, my gosh. They'd say, uh, we don't have – I mean, studying is so frustrating on campus, and it's so hard to do this and that. So, And all of a sudden I went, hey. And I'd had this idea a long time ago, but not when I was in a college town. And I said, you know what? And I started asking them, what if we did study nights? What if I fed you for free and I set up tables and candles and I made it like the Chick-fil-A of study environments? And we and we did we had a we had a, about an, a 600 seater auditorium. And I said, what if um, what if I put tables all throughout this auditorium, moved the chairs, did all this, set up heaters because girls, especially girls, love heaters while they're studying the blankets. And I said, and we did dinner, all you could eat dinner for free and snacks and all that. Well, I ended up investing probably a thousand dollars a semester and and literally did this for about four semesters. The church continues to do it, but to a lesser extent, because the problem was they'd get kicked out at 10 o'clock from where they're at. They'd get kicked out. So I said, we're going to go from 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. to midnight every night. And I had to make that commitment for for like two straight weeks. I'd be up that, that late. And it was so great because we ended up feeding, uh, I think at the height of it, we ended up feeding eight or 900 students over the course of two weeks. Students that, I mean, I would see these students, and some of them connected to our church later on, and we were able to get them involved. Some of them knew who I was, and they'd come back and they'd go, I know I haven't seen you in two semesters, but I know this is where people love me, and they're okay. And, and so find the so need. met a need. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not conventional. So find the needs around you. Listen for those things. That, that was specifically for college kids. I mean, take the, take the idea and use it. Contact us, and I'll give you all the information I had but, and how I did it. But I'm telling you, needs are easy to spot if we'll just be present. Yeah. So for sure. Love you guys. Um, I thought that was good, Michael. Very good. Enjoy the unscripted. If you have other topics or questions you want us to, to mm-hmm. be unscripted on and just want us to off the cuff yeah. talk about our experiences and what's worked and what hasn't and all that kind of stuff, yeah. uh, leave a comment on the on the YouTube page. Send us an email. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors Podcast. Mad Pastors is powered by G6 Allies, who knows that healthy ministry means having the right team behind you to provide worthwhile tools so ministry doesn't destroy you. If you'd like to partner with G6 Allies, here's a couple of ways you can do it. One, you can rate, subscribe, and review this podcast so that as many people as possible can get the same help and encouragement that you're receiving. You can also visit g6allies.com slash partner to see how you can financially partner with us. G6 Allies is dependent on viewers and listeners like you to support our ministry across the nation. 
If you have any questions or would like to contact the Mad Pastors for any reason, you can contact us at hello at g6allies.com. We'd love to hear from you.